Hey, hey, welcome to the video version of the Pastor Duke podcast. Hey, thank you, Nan. You invested in me uh, to help set up the studio here at East Greenbush. Thank you, Pastor John, uh, who allows me kind of to rent space here. He's my editor. And uh, if you don't listen to According to John, where I get to be his co-host, you need to do that on any uh, uh, podcast host uh, according to John. We also follow Walter Swaim for Truth uh, a podcast. We're kind of brothers from a different mother, and uh, we encourage one another. And uh, between the three of us, you can get a real solid biblical foundation. So today, I'm going to share with you what we would call in the preacher business a, a sugar stick sermon. It's a message. I got the the theme for this from Max Licato, a book that he did called A Day in the Life of Jesus. And that's what I'm going to share with you. I'd never read the book, but I, I did get the title from him. I got the outline from him, but the outline he got from God, it's right in the Gospels. And I, I thought, am I going to exegete this, just read up all the verses? But you know me, I'm kind of a storyteller. So I'm going to kind of put it into a story format, but just to picture yourself uh, as a follower of Jesus, which you are, I think, or you probably wouldn't want to listen to me. Uh, but uh, we're, we're following Jesus. We have some uncertainties. They had way more uncertainties than we do. Uh, we know he went to the cross. He died. He rose. He ascended. He's coming back. We we know so much more than those disciples did in that day. But there's some insurities that they're facing by following Christ. I mean, they, they had connected the dots. Uh, they had heard John the Baptist preach. <laughs> they felt that fire of, of God's Holy Spirit. And uh, they met Jesus. They, they had seen his graciousness. They knew he was born of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Judah, of the lineage of King David. They had connected all those dots, and they had begun to see a parade of miracles, every one of them authenticating his lordship. Uh, the attributes of God are being shown in Jesus on a daily basis. You know, as you close out uh, the last gospel recorded, the gospel according to John, it says that, I suppose that if all the miracles that Jesus did were recorded, I doubt the world could hold all the volumes. And so when we're reading through A Day in the Life of Jesus, this story, uh, true story, uh, just you're going to see how the day lined up, how the day went through, and the major lesson that was learned that day. The very same things he was trying to teach those 12 that were bodily with him, slept uh, in Gethsemane uh, with him and woke up in the morning in uh, the Sea of Galilee and had fish for bre uh, breakfast. That same Jesus is our Lord. Now we're not with him bodily, but he's with us in spirit. And everything he's trying to teach them, I assure you, he is in the process of teaching us. And so it's pretty early in the ministry of Jesus. And um, in the morning, news comes to the disciples about the death of John the Baptist, uh, the hideous death, the martyrdom of John the Baptist. Now, you got to remember, John the Baptist was second cousin to Jesus. Remember Mary and Elizabeth? <laughs> and they hooked up when uh, John uh, the Baptist and Jesus were in vitro. 
and all those trips to Jerusalem, all those years, uh, three times a year at least for the major holidays, those families connected. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. I think they knew each other well. I know they loved one another, and the respect for one another was literally off the charts, and they earned it, and they're just special, just an incredible uh, relationship they must have had. And John the Baptist's death was uh, not by natural causes. John was martyred. He was valiant for truth. Uh, John the Baptist stood on the word of God. He was not a respecter of people. He told the truth. He wasn't the least bit politically correct. He got in people's faces. He did it, I think, with a compassionate, I know he did it with a compassionate spirit, but he, he turned over uh, the rocks of sin and exposed people. He, he uh, rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees for their hypocrisy. Uh, And King Herod uh, was living in sin, murdered his brother, married his bride, and adultery and the most hideous kind of debauchery. (laughs) John the Baptist got in his face about it and lifted up his voice like a trumpet and showed him his sin. And uh, Herod's wife wasn't too happy about that, and they kind of weaseled their way around. Herod's throwing a drunken party for his uh, political (laughs) cronies. He calls in his beautiful niece to do a a dance to show off her beauty, and no doubt it was somewhat of a lewd dance to incite lust in the part of his uh, partiers, kind of like nothing's changed on that front, huh? And he was about half drunk, and he goes, hey, sweetheart, anything you want up to half the kingdom? (laughs) And uh, he kind of set himself up, and so she said, really? And uh, there were witnesses to that, and... uh, that was kind of commonly said, but not always, you know, it didn't really exactly mean what he said, but he, he did it in kind of a setting with all these witnesses. So she went to her mama and her mama's request was, hey, sweetie, take advantage of this. Ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter because the mother had her opportunity to get even with John the Baptist. She despised him. And Herod, uh, he did it. He had John executed, beheaded and they brought his head in on a charger. And that horrific message came to Jesus and the disciples in the morning. We get into that Jesus was omniscient. Did he not know that that had already happened? He had all the attributes of God. He was 100% God and had the Lord's omniscience, and that was so obvious on so many fronts. But he also was a son of man. He had all the human emotions that you and I have. We get news that somebody we really, really love is dead. Uh, John was young, maybe 30, 31 years old. His ministry wasn't long at all. I don't think the ministry of John the Baptist lasted much more than a year, maybe even a little bit under a year. So we can't measure somebody's success by longevity of years or the sizes of the crowds that they preach to, but did they fulfill the plan of God for their life? Though John's life was short, his ministry was short, it was fabulously successful and effective. John's dead was an unjust death. It's horrific. Uh, at the human level, you just want to go choke out Herod. You want to slap his niece who did the lewd dance. You want to slap her in the face and you want to poison her mother and, uh, you know, the human vengeance thing. So this word 
comes to the disciples, and the disciples love John the Baptist as well. He baptized every one of them, and they, they had a love for him, and they know Jesus was kin to him, we would say, and that horrific news of his insidious death hits them. Jesus, at the human level, is mourning. He wants to be alone, just like you and I would want to be. He had all of the divine attributes, but he also had all of our human emotions, he, uh, a body thou hast prepared for him. He was tempted in all points, as we are tempted, but without sin. And so Jesus wants to be alone. He is uh, hurting. He feels the, the injustice of, of, of his day. Of course, we have the same things going on in our day. He wants to be alone. Let that sink in probably weep a little bit, look forward to the day of vengeance when Herod will get what he's got coming to him and his wife and uh, all, all the evil of all the ages. But uh, as he's trying to get away, a huge crowd had heard he's nearby and they gather. He's uh, <laughs> out in, in a boat trying to kind of get away and he sees the crowd, huge crowd crowd uh 5000 actually it's going to be the feeding of the 5000 later that day just jump ahead for a moment and they only counted the men so you got 5000 men no doubt 5000 women how big were families in those days um four if they were only four usually they were much more than four children but let's just say that wasn't just 5000 people it, it was probably 20 to 30,000, maybe even greater than that. You're talking a mass of people had gathered and they could care less about how Jesus is feeling. It's a rough day. Just got news that uh, his cousin, John the Baptist is dead and an unjust death, a martyred, beheaded. Uh, they don't care about that. The crowd only cares about one thing, me. I have sick relatives. I have children who are sick, and we've heard that Jesus is uh, the healer. We have come to, to be healed. It, it really wasn't at all about Jesus. It was about themselves, and what can Jesus do? And they'd heard he's a great guy. If they can just get to Jesus, he'll touch him, he'll look upon him, he'll speak over them, he'll pray over them, and they'll be well. And they believe that. They were Jewish people. They knew a redeemer was coming uh, someday, and they're starting to think maybe he's the guy. Now, there's been a lot of false messiahs that had come and gone, and they're hoping that he is the messiah, but they were desperate. There was no medical help for these people, and so they have come, and they have come in mass. <laughs> At the human level, Jesus and the disciples, uh, they just like to just sail right on past, get out of Dodge. But Jesus saw them, and the Bible says he had compassion upon the multitudes. Don't ever forget when Jesus sees you in all your need, he doesn't sail away. He has compassion. He cares. So Jesus denies himself, as he always did. And that Jesus has come to live inside of us. And so he will continue to deny himself in us so that he can have compassion upon hurting people. I'm kind of making application along the way instead of just 
at the end. So he denies himself, says, hey, let's go in. So he pulls up, uh, gets out of the boat. It's a natural amphitheater up there above Capernaum. The mountain goes up. And I've been there several times. You can stand and speak and you can be heard. I've had thousands of tourists there and had a gal stand below and, and stand nearby where Jesus stood and preached that day. And um, you can hear it. It's just an amazing spot on planet Earth. And, you know, God just had the right spots at the right time for the right situation. So Jesus gets out. He sees their needs. And the Bible says he spent the whole day going person to person, seeing the needs, little groups of people, family groups, all kind of packed in together, but little family groups uh, together, moms and dads with their sick child. And uh, Jesus wasn't in a hurry. He was hurting, but he just kind of tunes his own emotions out about John the Baptist and the injustice. And he just, he's tired. He probably didn't sleep all that well that night. It's hot out. It's a direct sunlight here. There's no shade up in this, uh, this amphitheater. And so they're in the hot sun and he goes upon the shore and he just goes up and just one by one and he ministers all day. I just, I just think, boy, wouldn't it have been great to be one of his disciples? And they just watch this magic man. I don't mean magic as in, you know, thing, but they just see this beautiful, beautiful prophet. He's young. Jesus is only 30, 31 years old. And yet he's just so composed. He's just so given to the needs of hurting people, denies himself. And that had to impress them. So they go up along the way. And if I'd have been Jesus, here's how I'd have done it. I'd have gone to the top of the hill. I'd have stood up. I'd have raised my hands and said, one, a two, a one, two, three, heal. And then I'll be healed. Then I get in the boat and go do what I want to do. Get away from all this hysteria. That's what I would have done. But that's not what Jesus did. He denied himself all day long. And as we're going to see later, they they don't have lunch. We're not told that they had any breakfast. And so, uh, you know, the bodily needs and there's no food. And uh, all day long he goes along. There's these little groups huddled. And they're hoping he'll come to us next. He'll come to us next. And he did. And he would probably ask the child's name or the person's name. Many times he might just call them by name. He already knew who they were. And... Uh, I imagine he did it it's a little bit different each time and touched their head and and all of a sudden the fever's gone from that child or the blindness is gone and the first person that blind one had ever seen was Jesus. Uh, oh, can you imagine being there and, and witnessing all of that? <laughs> Watching blind people receive their sight, deaf people hearing the first words they ever hear are the words of Jesus. And uh, can you imagine the exhilaration in that crowd as they're waiting and they're watching and everybody's kind of kneeled down, kind of waiting their turn patiently. And all of a sudden there's just this blast of eight or 10 or 15 people just stand up celebrating, dancing, hugging, shouting, singing the praises of, and, and, and there's Jesus just kind of standing there, you know, and then he goes to the next and to the next and to the next all day long. And the disciples are there watching. They're kind of getting hungry. <laughs> uh, can, can we go now? I, I think everybody's healed. Uh, can we go now? And Jesus says, oh, no, no. <laughs> These people are hungry. We, we can't send them away hungry. And they're like, oh, yeah. Big whoop. What, what are we going to do? You know, McDonald's closed an hour ago. What, what, what do you mean we're going to feed them? And Jesus said, yeah. I'm the bread of life. I feed people. That's what I do. <laughs> and they said, well, they found a little boy with uh, five loaves and two fishes. And they said, well, that's what we got. We're going to, we're going to feed 30,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, 
yeah, just um, set everybody down in groups of 50. And they're like, here we go again. And so they do what Jesus said. It's very important. Let me say that again. <laughs> they did what Jesus said. And then he came, he takes this little boy's lunch, probably holds it up and he prayed, Lord, thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Uh, and we bring glory to you. Every, every bite of food comes from you. And we're thankful. Jesus, I don't think Jesus prayed in his own name, but thank you, Father. And he began to break the bread into baskets. And the disciples are watching like, oh, well. And then all of a sudden they realize <laughs> he's up to it again. There he goes. There goes our Jesus. And he, uh, he fed the multitudes. And they, they had the privilege of just taking those baskets full of bread and fish and taking it to the people. And they're, <laughs> what do they say? I think they're saying, you know, he started with five loaves, two fishes. You realize you're eating a miracle here. This is our God. This is why we follow Jesus. We're proud of him. He's awesome. I'm sure they had uh, dinner as well. So what a day, what a day, heartbreak in the morning, but Jesus just tuned it in and uh, tuned in the needs of hurting people tuned out his heartache, put others before himself, and the disciples watched him do this. And they're participating. They watched that, those loaves and fishes multiply. They served that food, and I think it was a pretty good day. I think it's a day they'll never forget. It's a day that was recorded in all four of the Gospels. So it's evening now. The sun is setting, and Jesus uh, throws them another curveball. He said, get in the boat. And uh, they're like, uh, okay, because the Sea of Galilee was like kind of like a highway, and uh, they would there were little villages along uh, the side of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, so they got in the boat, but he didn't get in the boat with them. Like, what up with, with that? And he, I think he said, I, I need some quiet time. I didn't get it this morning. We're gonna have some quiet time now. Uh, well, if we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee, which is a giant lake about six miles wide, 13 miles long. It's, it's a beautiful lake surrounded by mountains. It's absolutely beautiful palm trees. And, uh, well, you know, Jesus, uh, if we get in the boat, go to the other side, you're still going to be over here. So what, what about you? You know, we learn from that. God doesn't need you and I to worry about him. <laughs> Jesus knew what he was doing, but they didn't. And he didn't explain it to them, which is pretty cool too. Just let that sink in. Just get in the boat, cross the sea at, at night. And uh, so they did. And I don't know why he's not with us. And But he told us, and so we'll see what happens in the morning. So they're across the sea. They're falling asleep. And then what happens? A storm comes up. <laughs> and the Bible said they feared for their lives. And the Bible says they're in the middle of, of, of the lake. Uh, they're like three miles from any shore. God had them right where he wanted them. Sometimes God takes us outside, way outside our comfort zone. And, well, the devil sent the storm. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, if the devil can control the weather, uh, I don't think the devil sent that storm at all. I think God sent the storm because he loved those guys. He wanted to teach them something really significant. They've had a pretty good day, and now it looks like it's going to end in tragedy. We're going to drown. And so there's flashes of lightning, and when they see a flash of lightning, they're despairing of their lives. And where's Jesus when we need him? <laughs> they see something 
on the water in the form of a human and uh, lightning flashes again and they think it's a ghost but it turns out it wasn't a ghost at all was it i think you know the story who was it (laughs) it was jesus he comes walking to them on the water and they get that i call it the jesus heebie-jeebies now like (laughs) he's got teaching these guys a lot this is so fantastic so they he's walking to them uh, on the water and they're just totally uh freaking out and their fear is now kind of being transformed into uh, extreme interest and probably even excitement and and maybe some guilt we were so so scared and why we were so scared jesus told us what to do he's never let us down before why would we doubt him and so they're going through all the human emotion that you and i would go through if we were in that boat (laughs) there's peter oh i love it peter sees him walking on the water crazy peter i love this man peter you remember what he said lord if it's you can i walk on the water with you and jesus said come on man and peter steps out over the edge of the boat now peter's a fisherman but he just had that that little boy inside of him and jesus said come on and he listened and he got out on the water and he was walking on the water and it's kind of interesting he uh, we know that he sort of probably had some expectancies hey i'm out on the water the waves will stop and the waves didn't stop a wave slaps him in the face he gets scared he takes his eyes off the lord begins to sink quickly shortest prayer in the whole bible three words lord save me and i think it was a prayer with passion you know it wasn't a lord save me (laughs) save me and jesus reaches down lifts him up back on top of the water they get into the boats three words from jesus peace be still and what happens the waves lay down at his feet he commanded uh, nature and they're sitting in the boat exhausted from a long day they had just fallen asleep. Some of them, some of them were doing the sailing, guiding the boat. But they're exhausted. They are totally spent emotionally. John the Baptist, death and all that, and they process that. And then standing in the sun. And you know, I, I was in restaurant business. I one night I served five hundred and fifty people. A Senator Metzenbaum from Ohio had a big uh, banquet at the Blue Dolphin restaurant where I worked, and I served five hundred and fifty people that night in about twenty two minutes, uh, prime rib dinner. And I was the, the head uh, cook, a chef that night. And uh, at the end of that night, I, I was tired. I only fed 550. They fed like 30,000. So my dad would say they were dyed, fried, and laid to the side. <laughs> they were tired. You know, when you get tired, you don't always think straight. But Jesus was teaching them something. Beginning early in the morning, deny yourself. It's not about you. See, everything God will do in your life and mine really won't just be for us. He'll just use us to meet the needs of hurting people. Now, at the end of the road, as we seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness, and this is happening every day, we're denying ourselves, we're picking up our cross every day. Then we look back, you know what, and all these things are added unto us. But we don't seek those things. We do not seek health and wealth as a lot of the health and wealth preachers are today. Do this and God will be obligated to do that. You have God's favor and you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy. That is not the gospel. That is a false gospel. And Jesus didn't teach a false gospel. He didn't live a false gospel. And so they followed his example. As he denied himself that day, so did they. 
it, it, it didn't turn out to be, it didn't look like it was going to be a fun day standing out in the sun all day long. But the, the, one by one, they got to watch those personal miracles, those little children receiving those sight, those little kids next to death. And then they just wake up and they feel great and saw the lame walk and the deaf hear. And, you know, I, I, I think that'd be a fun day, but it wasn't an easy day. And then on top of that, feeding the 5,000, gathering up the 12 baskets full, and then getting in the boat that night and oh, what's our, what's up with Jesus? Why isn't he going with us? How's he going to get the other side and all that human rationale and all trying to figure stuff out. I'm so comforted now. God hasn't called you and I to figure stuff out. He just called us to be faithful. He just called us to trust him, trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Don't try to lean to our own understanding in all our ways, acknowledge him and he'll bring it to pass. So now he's got him out in the sea that night and all that drama Peter walking on the water, and then three words, peace be still. And they're sitting in the boat, and I just think there was just a moment of silence. And, I mean, what, what do you say to that? And Jesus just, I think, sits in, in the boat where he always sat, and he just look around and look each one of them right in the face. And nobody says anything for a moment. And then one of the disciples I'm not even sure if it's named in the scripture. I should have sure uh, looked up that verse. But one of the disciples, they just look at him and they're like, you really are the son of God. <laughs> yeah, he really is the son of God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. He's immutable. He is present with them. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He's working his plan. His plan is going to come to pass perfectly. At the end of the day, it was like a perfect day. Not an easy day, but a perfect day. And at the end of the day, what is the message? He really is the Son of God. And we really don't have anything to worry about. Oh, our worry can be real. Was their fear real out on that boat when the storm was raging? They feared for their lives. Let me tell you, that fear was absolutely real. But here's a better question. Was it legitimate? <laughs> nope. It was illegitimate. It was real, but it was unnecessary because God had his people where he wanted. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy, but they were in no jeopardy whatsoever. Oh, you think there's some application for us today on that? I think yes. We're watching the fall of our nation. We're being told about famine that is coming. We're watching the breakdown of supply lines. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of acres of U.S. productive farmland being bought up by Bill Gates, by the Chinese Communist Party, shutting these farms down. We're watching food factories, hundreds of them going up in flame, airplane crashes into food factories. Is that a dink or is this a diabolic, diabolic plan? And so we could see at the human level and get uh, nervous, get scared, but you know what? I'm not scared. You know why? <laughs> Jesus really is the son of God. He's got it. He told us exactly what to expect.
And you know what? <laughs> it's happening, just like he said. I don't like what I see, but you and I don't have any control over it. But I think we should be aware of it, and I think we should be prepared. And I think we should use what we're learning to warn people. And for us, be you ready for such an hour as we think not. The Son of Man cometh. Oh, what a day it was. And God has days like that for us. Just commit to him in the morning. Let the day unfold. Do something eternal. Go out and love somebody. Tell them Jesus loves them too. So thanks for tuning me in today. I hope uh, Pastor Duke podcast, according to John podcast, and uh, a cast with Walter Swaim. Uh, they're, our, they're my boys. So let's do this thing together. Lift up the wonderful name of Jesus. He really is the Son of God. Bye-bye for now. See you next time. <laughs>